You're listening to Life Gives You Lemons, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Aslan, obsessed with learning all the things I wish I knew when I was younger. Looking to become the highest version of myself, I'm here for the real talk. So let's grow together, friends. Thanks for joining me for another awesome episode as we burst through our fears, feel empowered to become our best selves, become in tune with what our bodies are telling us. We're going to share our stories, give each other knowledge, learn from our mistakes, and celebrate our successes. Are you with me? Get ready to get inspired. Here's another conversation worth having. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Life Gives You Lemons. Today, I'm here with Lindsay O'Sullivan, my business partner, my mentor, and my friend. She's opening up to us today about dealing with anxiety, postpartum depression, and recognizing the need for help, her two miracle babies, but most importantly, her journey through cervical cancer. She's agreed to do this podcast of hope in hopes of bringing awareness to such an important topic. Typically with this type of cancer, there's no symptoms until it's at an advanced stage, which is so scary and why it's so important for early detection. It's treatable and there's close to 100% survival rate when it's detected early. However, even though there's a high survival rate, it can also be deadly if not detected early. The other crazy thing is it's affecting a lot of young women. The average age is between 35 to 44. I'm so proud of her for sharing her story, for her incredible strength, and for opening up to us about this uncomfortable and difficult topic in hopes of helping other women. So grab your favorite beverage, turn up the volume, get comfy, and here we go. Are you ready? Hi, Lindsay, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think it's really amazing that you um, have agreed to speak on such an important topic. I think it's awareness around this topic is so important. We are kind of discussing that a little bit offline. And um, yeah, I'm just really proud of you. Thank you for being brave and opening up about it's not the easiest topic. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. That's the thing I find with this topic is so many women are afraid to open up about it. So many women go through this, but Mm -hmm. feel like, Oh, I can't talk about it because you know, something's not normal or something's not right. Um, But that's not the case. It's really common. It's something that a lot of women experience and go through some worse than others. Um, But a lot of mild cases are, it's very common. So, I wanted to speak out about it um, because the main thing is detecting and detecting early. Um, So, you know, we, we have covered under hope, sorry. (laughs) Oh, hip. Yep. Um, Pap tests for every three years. Right. And so many of my friends, like I'll talk to them and say, Oh, I got to go for my pap next week or whatever. And you're like, I don't want to go for it right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's uncomfortable. And yeah. then my friends will say like, Oh, I haven't had one in five years because you know, it's so uncomfortable and I hate doing them and this and that there's always an excuse, right? It's so crazy. And it's crazy. Like we talked about this as well, that it, 
that it is every three years. Like you used to get it every, every year. year. Yeah. And like so much obviously can change in three years. It's insane. Yeah. I still strongly believe it should be every year. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, and we were talking about that before that there actually is an option to have it done every year. It's not covered under OHIP. You'll get it every three years covered, but you can request it from your doctor. It's a very, very small fee. It's yeah. like pennies um, when it's in terms of your health. Right. And I, I truly believe that women should advocate for themselves. And, um, you know, if, if you want it every year, just tell your doctor that you want it every year. Um, because it's a matter of detecting it early Mm -hmm. or too late that could really save your life. Um, so for my, my experience, um, I'm going to take you right to the beginning. Yep. Okay. Let's do it. You tell it exactly however you want it. Okay. So we'll go right to the beginning. Um, I around, I'm going to say around 18, 19, I had um, my first abnormal pap. So I had been getting pap tests since, you know, I was sexually active. And um, then around 18, 19 years old, I got an abnormal pap. So they called me in six months later, you know, every six months until they're, until you're clear, right? right? So, okay, it would come and go. So I would go, I would get an abnormal reading, and then I'd go back and it'd be clear. And then, you know, maybe a year later, I'd get another abnormal reading and then it would be clear. And it was just kind of a back and forth thing all through my 20s. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was fine for a little while, a few years. And my husband and I got married and decided to have kids. Um, I had my son and it was when my son was about six months old. So I had a C-section with my son Um, so I had some recovery time with that and, um, we waited to Mm -hmm. be sexually active again. Um, just cause with my recovery, it, it was uncomfortable. So (laughs) we waited, we waited quite some time, (laughs) my poor husband, (laughs) um, (laughs) but we waited and it wasn't, it wasn't until my son was about six months old that we, you know, started becoming intimate again and it was excruciating. Okay. So painful. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, something's not right. Like mm-hmm. things don't feel the same as they were, but I'm thinking to myself, I didn't have my son vaginally. I had him through C-section. Right. So this doesn't make sense. Like my lady bits should be <laughs> unaffected. Right. For sure. So we kept trying and we were trying different things. I even went to my OB about it about a month later. And, um, she said, you know, try different things, try lubes and different positions and things like that. And, um, so I was like, okay, you know, (laughs) we're going to get experimented. And we did. And it, nothing, nothing was helping. Um, and it was to the point where I would be in tears every time. And, um, you know, like we weren't, we would stop right away because it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. And, you know, my, my husband is feeling awful and he's like, his heart's breaking to see me, you know, in pain. Um, and my heart's breaking because I'm frustrated, you know, I'm like, I like, I just want to be with my husband, you know? Um, so it was a back and forth just, you know, okay, like, should we try again? But I'm scared. But like, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah, it won't hurt this here? time. So finally, after, yeah, a few weeks, a few months of, of 
going through that, I, I said to him, I said, I'm going back to my doctor and I'm going to tell her like, something's not right. Check me out. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did. And she said, okay, you know what? Let's, um, let's run some tests, make sure everything is okay. Rule everything out and, um, see what's going on kind of thing. So she did a pap and everything and she did an internal exam. And with my internal exam, she said that my vaginal wall was still soft. Okay. So, and she could actually feel the scar tissue on my uterus from the, um, from the C-section. So she said, you know what? I don't think, I don't think there's anything going on. I think it's literally just that your, your vaginal wall hasn't stiffened up enough yet. Still soft. You can still feel the, um, scar tissue and Mm -hmm. that's probably what's causing the pain and the pressure. So, you know, okay. It eased my mind. Um, but she did do a pap while I was there just to be sure and rule anything out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I left it at that and my husband and my son and I decided to go for a little road trip, um, about a week later and we were in Niagara Falls when I got the call from my doctor and it was my family doctor. And he said, um, I was just forwarded some results from your pap test with your OB and I need you to come in. We want to discuss your results. And mm-hmm. right away, I'm like, okay, like they never tell you to come in right. if it's if it's nothing. Yeah. So right away, I'll never forget it. We were at Glow in the Dark Mini Putt. Oh. My six month, seven month, sorry, at the time, seven month old baby is in a carrier on my husband's chest, and we're playing mini putt, and I just break down uh-huh. in the middle of mini putting, and my husband's like, "What is going on? Who was that? What's going on?" I told them, I said, it was the doctor. They got my results and want me to come in to discuss them. And he's like, okay, so why are you freaking out? Mm-hmm. Like, cause doctors never call you in to discuss nothing. Right. Um, so I'm panicking. Right. And like, I think it's one of those things where you just, your gut just knows. knows. And I just knew like knew for a while. Yeah. Like something wasn't right. So, um, yeah, he just calmed me down and um, he said, you know, I'm sure it's nothing serious. Like, we'll deal with it when we go home. Don't worry. Well, we were supposed to stay another day and I was like, we got to go home now. I can't. Like, my mindset is totally yeah. off now. I can't enjoy our family time with this on my mind. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, I went in to get the results and actually saw my OB for the results. And she said that... Um, yeah, my pap is showing abnormal. And um, I said, okay, well, that happens all the time. Like, right. That's not a big I've deal. Now I'm, you know, calming down again. And she's like, no, well, this is a little bit more than, you know, the regular abnormal reading. She said, I want to send you for a coposcopy and make sure that, you know, it's nothing, nothing serious. Okay. So went for the coposcopy and um they said okay yeah you definitely have some precancerous cells okay um what do we do now um so she said it's what she can see it was um surface so it's um squamish they call it squamish cell carcinoma um and that's where it's on the surface Mm -hmm. and pretty easy to get to and um what they do is 
the LEAP procedure. And um, basically what that is, it's like a little wire that um, sends like electricity and it burns off those cells. So she was pretty confident that that's all it was and that they would get get it out with that. Um, So she scheduled me for that. I had like I had a couple colposcopies in between and some biopsies and stuff. And then um, they sent me for the leap. Um, and then those results came back and it didn't, it didn't um, get rid of it. So okay. they had to send me back for another one. Um, and actually I had two failed leaps. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this whole time we're talking from September to January, I'm back and forth right. with um, results appointments and then the next test and then results and then the next procedure. Oh. And it's like yeah. every time it's like two, three weeks in between. So you can imagine. It's excruciating. Like, it, yeah, it really messed with my head, to be honest. Um, my baby at the time is seven months old. Yeah. I don't know what the heck is going on. All I know is Every time I go in to get my results, it's never good news. Right. And it, I just keep going back and getting more bad news. And I'm like, when is this going to end? Because the emotional turmoil was just breaking me down. I wasn't sleeping. I yeah. was super irritable. There's so many things that I try and remember from my son's life in that span yeah. of five months there. And I can't remember that. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. my head was so jaded and so clouded with everything that I was dealing with with my health and all I kept thinking to myself was I just want to be healthy for my son like it's not even about me anymore I have I have a baby it's it's about him I want to be here for him right um so yeah it was just really scary I um I had a hard time dealing with all of that um I suffer from anxiety um off and on previously through Mm -hmm. through my uh, 20s and stuff too so this was like a huge trigger for me yeah so um yeah it was just it was hard and I get really emotional talking about it yeah Um, okay (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine yeah um an emotional topic for sure that's why it's so great that you're being brave to share this because mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing you know They sent me for another procedure. Um, It was about mid-January. That was when they sent me to the oncologist. Um, So that was a really hard appointment, was going in for the results of my second leap Mm -hmm. with my OB. And my OB flat out said to me, this is beyond my um, capabilities. Like She's like, I need to hand you over to an oncologist. And I lost it. Oh. Like that, as soon as you hear something like that, then you know, like something is serious. An oncologist, like <laughs> what Your is going on? Mine on medical goes to the worst, I'm sure. Right. So my husband was with me. We, um, yeah, we cried a lot that yeah. day because that's when things I think really got really real, real you know, like, yeah, it was really real. <laughs> um so I saw the oncologist. I had another procedure done. They actually removed some of my cervix um, with a procedure called um, conization. Okay. And basically what they do is they take um, cone-shaped chunks out of your cervix. 
um, they test the tissue and they try and remove the cells that way. Um, because with my failed second, my second failed leap, that's when they realized that my cells were not surface anymore. Oh, they were deeper. Yeah, it was deeper. They were actually glandular. Um, and that's called adenocarcinoma in situ. So what that is, is when it's squamish cell carcinoma, um, it's on the surface, sorry, surface, mm -hmm. the outer part of the cervix. It's easy to get to with a leap. Um, it's actually the most common. It's 90% of cases yeah. are those kind of cells. Um, they're precancerous and they're very slow moving. Right. So they take months to years to evolve. So that's why it's very important to go for these PAPs because if you catch detection. it, detection, catching it early like that, it's so simple to remove with a LEAP procedure. Um, and there's many women that have a LEAP procedure and they're fine for the rest of their life, right? They yeah, eat. like we talked about it briefly before we got started, like the same thing had happened to me. So similar to the beginning of your story, like when mm -hmm. I was 18 or 19 and you're so freaked out, you know, and then... I mean, luckily it was successful, but yeah. then I still spent like every three months for like a year or two. I can't remember the length of time um, at the colonoscopy yeah. clinic, yeah. making sure that it was okay. Yeah. And then I was able to go back to my doctor Yeah, and it's been fine. But yeah, like you said, going for a long period of time and not knowing is like, could be the difference. Exactly. Of and I get mine done regularly. I've never missed yeah. a pap. So it's not like I went years without getting one um, you are diligent and look what i'm happens. very diligent and this still happened to me so that's why i'm so um you know outspoken about this mm -hmm. because if i'm diligent and then there's women that are not you're way more susceptible you know yeah you just never know so um yeah so that's when they told me that it was um the adenocarcinoma in situ which is glandular and these cells um, with the SI, I'm going to call them SIL is the Squamish and the AIS is okay. what I have. Okay. Yeah. So SIL, um, they may or may not evolve to cancer. They yeah. could, they could not. Right. Um, with mine, they 100% will. Right. It's just a matter of time. And the type of cancer, the type of cancer that they will evolve to is very invasive. Right. So that's why they had to really take this serious. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're internal. They're in my cervix as opposed to on the surface of my cervix, which makes things way more complicated. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when they told me that, that's when, you know, things got really, really scary and we had just had one baby. We knew we wanted another one. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I just wanted this. I just wanted this to end. I just wanted this oh, out, <laughs> out of me. And I wanted this to end. Life. Right. So she did the conization and took some of my cervix out. Um, and when she took it all, like she tested the tissue and everything. Um, and then I had to go back for more tests. They got it all. Amazing. So I got cleared at the end of January, early February. Um, and the oncologist said to me, we've got everything. Um, I do have an insufficient cervix now. Um, however, if I do want to have another child to do it ASAP and don't yeah. wait. <laughs> 
Um, and here I am thinking like, okay, my son is nine months old. Like, what do you mean, Asa? <laughs> like, like I want to have another one, but not now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but when the doctor tells you something like that, like, yeah, you don't want to wait because then you might not have the option. You might have not, not have the option. And um, I've lost, I lost my first baby. Um, yeah. And I just said to my husband, like, I've already lost one baby and I don't want to lose the chance of another one. Um, yeah. Um, sure. So let's just take her advice and start right away. And we were very scared. Oh, <laughs> we, were very, <laughs> we were very scared. It wasn't even so much all the health stuff. Like there was so much other stuff going on in our personal life. Like my husband had lost his job in between all of this. Um, it was a very scary time. I'm self-employed. Yeah, I don't get mad. Right? Like, like just throw everything at enough. us. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, we were like, oh my God, we are in no financial state to be having another child. Um, my headspace wasn't there to have another child, yeah. to be honest. Um, but we knew we wanted another one. So we took the oncologist's advice. We started right away and I ended up getting pregnant the very first time that which we tried which amazing. is a miracle um and just the way I've conceived my children I truly feel like they are they are my little miracles like they yeah. were meant to be mine they were something that the universe like oh, I just agree. said you need these babies <laughs> even when you were going to start to talk about it I was like my body just got chills because we've discussed it before mm -hmm. and I just think it's like because you had a bit of difficulties with your son, correct? Yeah. So for that to just happen after all you went through, yeah. your mindset, like yeah. all the stress, and then like you know, that's a that's yeah. They're meant my to be. they're my silver linings for sure. Yeah. Um, they're my little blessings, and they're everything to me. Like everything. So incredible. Um. So yeah. So I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, which was a really funny story because I. <laughs> I did not think I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, I, we, we won't get into yeah. that. That's a long story, but it was really funny. Um, yeah. And I found out I was pregnant with her the day before my son's first birthday. So I'm like, oh my God, life is about to get real crazy. Um, you can handle it. Look what you just went yeah, through. Right. Um, so let's fast forward to my daughter being, or sorry, me being eight months pregnant with my daughter, who we thought was a boy, by the way, for about half the pregnancy. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. There was there was so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. We had a test tell us that she was actually a boy. Oh, she was know, a girl. <laughs> I don't know anyone that's actually had that happen to yeah. them. It was the yes. 3D ultrasound that confirmed, nope, it's actually a girl. And we were shocked. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, so let's fast forward to um, eight months later. Mm -hmm. I went in for my scheduled coposcopy because since being cleared from the first one, I had to go every couple of months, just, right? Yeah. Um, just to make sure. So I went in for my scheduled coposcopy thinking like, yeah, everything's good. Like I'm pregnant. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's there's nothing um, and then I got rid of the results that it was back. Oh man. Yeah. So, and it was the same as last time it was the, um, the AIS cells. So right. the invasive ones, um, and here I am, I'm on bed rest at this point as well, because, mm -hmm. um, I had an insufficient 
cervix because of all the procedures I had done before my daughter. Um, And now I find out I've got, I've, I've got this again. So it's like, okay, like one thing after another. Like when's this going to end? Exactly. Um, And my daughter was a planned C-section because she was so close to my son. I couldn't try for a V-back. So I knew I'd be going in for the C-section. So I actually said to my oncologist, I said, okay, so going in for a C-section anyways. um, And at this time she had told me, you know, um, you won't be able to have any more Mm -hmm. children um, because we are going to have to, you know, treat this once she's out. Um, And it'll most likely be a hysterectomy. Right. Um, so you won't be able to have any more children. Okay. That's fine. Like I've got, I've got two miracles. I'm not going to get greedy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, I was, I was more than happy with the family that I had. Um, so that wasn't, that wasn't heartbreaking to hear, but at the same time, when somebody else is making your life decisions, even though you were already thinking thinking that that and kind of planning that when somebody else says it to you it it's hard I can only yeah it's like and I'm I'm an Aries like (laughs) girl I like to be in control so when somebody else is controlling my life I'm like excuse you yeah (laughs) um so it as much as it didn't break my heart it did for sure do you know what I mean yeah you didn't have the choice yourself yeah um but at that time when she said that to me, I said, okay, so I'm having a C-section anyways, like just rip it all out <laughs> while you're in there. Right? Just... Like you got me open, just take it yeah. all out. Let's be done with this. Um, get it out of me. I'm, I, I don't want any part of this anymore because this is killing me. Like mentally, this is killing me yeah. and I just want to be healthy for my children. So do what you got to do and get this out of me. It's not that simple. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can't, can't be done that way, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what she said, what she said was that they would do is a septectomy. So what that is, is removing the fallopian tubes. Okay. Um, and I said, okay, but the problem is my cervix. And she goes, well, we'll cross that bridge oh, when the time it. is, is right for that. Um, but she goes, I want to remove your fallopian tubes because one, we don't want you accidentally getting pregnant. getting pregnant. You're not going to be able to carry another baby. So you've already, you know, you've already that. been through so much emotional yeah. turmoil. She's like, I'm not going to let you put yourself through that. Um, so yeah, she's, she suggested this appendectomy. And then also because, she didn't want anything to spread to my ovaries. She right. said, my ovaries were still very healthy and we need to contain this and not let it spread because if things spread to the ovaries, that's going to be bad. That's very bad. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, you know, like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Do what you got to do. Um, and she said, once the baby is out and you're six weeks postpartum, um, that's when we'll do another biopsy and we will see exactly what we need at. to do. Yeah. And where we're at. So it was a waiting game. So I'm eight months Back pregnant and I'm game. like, okay, now I got to like, in bed. right. I'm stuck in bed and I got to wait and have this on my mind now for the next two months, more than two months. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. Right. So yeah. we go back to that. Um, now I had a lot of complications 
okay. with my daughter and my C-section. Um, I had a very traumatic C-section. I had to be intubated. I hemorrhaged very, very bad. Um, I bled out quite a bit and, um, it was, it was very scary. My gosh, girlfriend, (laughs) honestly, um, my recovery was brutal with my daughter, with my son. I was up feeling great a week later. Oh, I bounced back like no problem. I went grocery shopping, you know, a week later and I felt great with my daughter. It was a whole other story. I couldn't even walk on my own for about three weeks my mom or Sean or my mother-in-law, somebody always had to help me just go to the washroom. I could barely get myself around the house. Um, I ended up back in the hospital two weeks postpartum because I was hemorrhaging again. Um, It was just a wild ride. And then (laughs) my daughter was colic. So throw that in on top of everything. Um, You you can imagine. (laughs) Thanks. You can imagine postpartum set in pretty bad for me at that point. Um, so with everything going on with my health, with my daughter being colic, with my recovery, I called my doctor at one point and said, I need help. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't been on medication for years. I said, I need something because I'm having very scary thoughts and I recognize these things in me because I've dealt with anxiety in the past and I know I know what triggers me and I'm not well right now. I told him, I said, I'm having very, very scary thoughts and I need to help me. I, you need to help me because I can't help my family Mm -hmm. when I'm like this. So I went back on my medication. I'm still on it. Um, My daughter's now 10 months old. Um, I'm still on my medication. It's done wonders for me. And I'm normally a very, I like to naturally, heal myself and it has worked for me in the past um you know I'll meditate I'll do certain things to just help myself get through triggers but this was so beyond my control yeah I think it's amazing that you could recognize that like you said like you can try to do it one way but sometimes you just can't yeah and I know that's hard for people but being able to recognizing it and mm-hmm. realizing that's more important yeah and is I to think, get your mental health back on track. I think it and... really hit me when my friends were coming over to visit um and see my daughter for the first time and they were looking at me and saying how are you and I'd say I'm fine what do you mean I'm fine yeah. and they're like no how are you and I'm like oh like they know and yeah. I would just break down oh. and cry because I'm like <laughs> It's that obvious. Like I'm not well. well. You just went through like <laughs> World War II with like your body and your emotions. And yeah. Your life. So yeah, and then you know that starts to kind of sit in the back of your mind, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I think. And then the scary thoughts start coming, and that's when it's like, oh no, I'm I'm definitely not good. Um, and so yeah, I I reached out to my doctor, and um, we've been working on everything since and I've been feeling great um however COVID hit um and just just after COVID hit is when I was able to go in and have my results um from the colposcopy and biopsy after having my daughter and that's when the oncologist said to me we're gonna do a hysterectomy (sighs) so (laughs) in my mind I'm like okay this is this is good news. Mm -hmm. This is the light at the end of the tunnel, but 
it's also not good news. And I'm sorry, can I swear? Um, a hundred percent. I'm shitting my pants. (laughs) Um, and I just had a C-section with my son two years ago. No, where are we at the time? No, it wasn't even two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had a C-section with my daughter a couple months ago. And now you're telling me I need to go in for a hysterectomy. It's like, how much more can I take? Um, and also because of my experience with my daughter and how traumatic that whole situation was with that C-section, it, I, I'm i really having anxiety about this hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, I just don't want things. Yeah. And I don't want things to happen like they did last time because that was scary scary and painful. It was very painful. And I know that this isn't going to be a walk in the park, but I also don't want it to be that bad as it was before. So I'm scared. Um, I go in in two weeks and I haven't been sleeping. Um, no, no doubt. It's my <laughs> my yeah. husband has been working nights and I'll be talking to him throughout the night. I'll be messaging him and he's like, why are you awake? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, go to bed. And I'm like, I can't sleep. Um, That's a lot to have on your mind. Yeah, like, it, just it be, is. It's just nice to have it come. Like you said, it won't be a walk in the park. It'll be nice to just get through it. Yes. That's what I keep so trying to remind myself. To like this is the end of the road. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. They're yes. going to take everything out. I can have peace of mind. I don't have to worry about things getting worse. I don't have to worry about all of these tests and procedures back and forth. Like this has been almost two years of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready for it to be done. I'm, done I'm ready. Back to your life. Like two little babies. Yeah. and Yes. But at the same time, it's major surgery. And like I said, I'm, I'm nervous about recovery oh, yeah. with two kids. I now have a two and a half year old and a 10 month old and, you know, all of that that's going to come with it. But it's the it's the end of the road. And you know what? I'm I'm surviving it. Oh, yeah, I'm well. And it's it, it, it could be a whole different situation. Oh yeah, I'd say you're more than surviving. Like you're thriving. Like I was saying, like obviously you're having a tough time, but you're recognizing that mm-hmm. and you're talking about it. And then the other sense, you're like doing amazing things with your business. You're there for your kids. So it's like you've had more than a lot of people have thrown up them in their lifetime. Yeah. And you're like, look at where you are. Yeah. It's incredible. And you know, I I do believe things happen for a reason. Um, yeah, me too. Even when they're, when, even when it's something negative and you look at yourself and you kind of sit there and go, why me? Why is this happening to me? But there's a reason. There's a reason yeah. that something like this is happening. Um, I might not know what it is, but the day will come where I do realize like, okay, this needed to happen. This needed, like this course needed to play out. Yeah. Um, the girls on our on our team in our business they laugh all the time because they say that's when I that's when I kill it in the business is when I'm in recovery I know. I'm lying in a hospital bed <laughs> we all benefit from it like and like I said you wouldn't know half the days that you're like in pain or going through so much because you show up for everybody else yeah even though you have but that's what keeps my mind off things and that's yeah. what keeps me happy and positive and um yeah when I hit 
a, a goal that I was going after for a while. It was right after I had my daughter and I was in, in the hospital. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> like, well, I'll just go on my phone and work my business. So you guys better watch out because I'm telling you in two weeks when I'm lying in that hospital bed again, I'm making magic happen. <laughs> I'm so pumped. <laughs> I can't wait. I've got all these goals. I'm like, we're, yeah. we're making this happen. Like, Lindsay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm happy. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm all the feels <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about and why I, um, why I agreed to doing this is just women need to just understand how important these tests are and mm-hmm. how important it is to get regular checks and to listen to your body and to advocate for yourself and to just not stray away from the guidelines of yep. getting physicals. Um, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's scary. I know it's not something any woman wants to do, but it's life change. Like it's a matter of life or death. Um, When my OB told me my diagnosis, she flat out said to me, I wasn't due for another pap for about a year. Yeah. Um, The only reason that I had the pap earlier was because I came to her with symptoms and issues. And that's why she did it. But I wasn't supposed to have one until a year later. And she said, had I had waited until my regular um, appointment, she doesn't know where I would be. She said, we could have been facing a very different Different situation. situation. So it's every three years that we should be going. I strongly suggest every year at least. Yes. I strongly suggest every woman speak up for themselves and ask for every year it's your right and you can. Yeah. Um, because. Yeah. Like you said, then you can, yeah. you could be in a totally different situation that could have been and avoidable or dealt with in a Exactly. Way, and generally way. there's no symptoms. Yeah. I know. That's what's so scary. Like 95% of the time there is no symptoms. Um, it's only advanced like once cervical cancer has advanced that you would have symptoms and it's the symptoms of bleeding, um, heavy watery or bloody discharge with a foul odor, um, pelvic pain or pain during intercourse, which is what I was experiencing. Um, so it's one of those things that, yeah, you would never know there's an issue until you do the pap. Right. Um, so yeah, I just want women to really strongly, understand how important it is, why it is something that is offered to us for free through OHIP. And it's because we like medical professionals see how important it is to detect this and how treatable it is to detect it early. Um, So I was just um, since, since having all this um, happen to me, I have obviously done a lot more research for sure. Um, just to have my own understanding of what's going on with yeah. my body and um, with the, you know, the condition and everything. Um, and while researching, I've come across some stats that were shocking. Um, 
but it's also important that I think other women hear. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I love um, that you have that. Yeah. So there's a close to a hundred percent survival rate when this is early. detected and treated early, um, which That's is huge, huge, huge. This is one of the cancers that has the highest survival rate. Yeah. But could also be so deadly. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's why I say it's important to, to get those checks regularly because it's very treatable. Um, however, there's only a 16% survival rate if you're stage four. Wow. 16%. That's also huge. That's it's not a very good huge chance. in the yeah, wrong it, way. It's right the opposite way. Yeah, <laughs> huge like in the wrong way. At one end of the spectrum, and then sixteen percent right? basically. So a hundred percent survival rate with early detection, but then sixteen percent with stage four. So that is scary. That is very scary. Wow. Um, they say that this year there's estimated that thirteen hundred and fifty Canadian women will be diagnosed and four hundred and ten will die from cervical cancer. Um and most cases are women between the age of thirty-five and forty-four. Which is also so scary. I was thirty-three when I found yeah. all my stuff. So that's young. Yeah. It's young. It's- when we think of people dying of cancer, Literally. we think of like our grandparents and you know, older people, we don't, we, we have a very invincible mentality that this will never happen to me. This can't happen to me. I'm still young. I'm healthy. I walk every day. I eat good. I feel good, but you're not <laughs> doesn't, good. you're not invincible. Yeah. You're not invincible. Again, another reason why it's amazing that you're sharing this because I feel like when people actually hear a real life story or yeah, someone such as yourself and what you went through, they, hopefully we'll have like that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Like I've heard about this, but like I haven't really, yeah, it's so important. And hopefully that will make them smarten up. Yeah. And I hope that there's a woman listening that thinks to themselves, Oh man, it's been four years since my last pap. And she picks up the phone and makes the appointment. Just make the appointment. It's it's 10 minutes of your day. Like just go in, get it done. And know that you're okay you know I know even it's like a good reminder for me and like because you often forget like I went through it before so it's like I know for myself I need to more advocate even to just go every year so Mm -hmm. it's like I do my every three years but and you were saying you had elite procedure because you had abnormal readings in your pap um and I've been good for so many years but like you said so were you so it's just like it's even a wake-up call for me yeah so it because of what you were saying with the abnormal paps and having to go for a colposcopy, did you know that 60% of colposcopies that are done because of an abnormal pap result result in a, a bad rating and precancerous cells or cancer cells? 60%. Yeah, I didn't know the stat. I knew it was like a lot higher than I ever thought. Yeah, but 60% of women that go for a colposcopy end up with some form of pre-cancer or cancer. Yeah. Which is huge. That's huge. That's huge. So, you know, every colposcopy appointment that I have gone to, you sit in that waiting room and you're in the gown 
and there's like three or four chairs and maybe a couple other women mm-hmm. in there with you. And you're sitting there thinking like what, what to expect when you go into the room or whatever. And, um, the past couple times that I've been in there, it's been older women in the waiting room with me. And, you know, they're kind of giving me the look like yeah. this girl's young. What is she doing here? And I just make conversation. Yeah. I just talk to them. Cause you know what? doesn't matter how old you are. We're all scared. We're all sitting there nervous. Going through the same, going through the same thing. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how great you feel. It can affect anybody. And, um, doesn't care. No, they don't. (laughs) They don't. Uh, it It doesn't, doesn't. (laughs) it does not. Uh, Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you. Honestly, it's so great that you agreed to talk about this. I know it's a difficult topic and, but just, yeah, like you said, to bring some awareness to it, it's so important. And then even just for like being vulnerable and like sharing your feelings and talking about postpartum and, None of it's easy. So again, Lisa, I'm so proud of you, it's and not. I'm really like I'm, I feel I'm grateful to have you. Buck. I'm open up about maybe it. an oversharer, yeah. But I think it's important. I think it's important for women to talk about women I issues. Agree more because we don't talk about it enough. No, and so then you're suffering silently with something that is difficult. Yes, and there's a lot of other people that are going through the same thing. Exactly. I know even like. We're a seeing... different topic, but like with fertility stuff that I yes. just went through, it's like, I remember for so long, I didn't want to talk about it with anyone. Yes. Once I did start opening up and talking about it, I was like, oh, like, it's not just me. There's yeah. so many other people and, and that, it's just powerful to have other people in your corner. That was about. one of the biggest eye openers for me was when I did start talking about it, the amount of women that came forward or the amount of friends that I've been friends with for years and had no idea that they yeah. went through something like this. It's huge. And just knowing that I have someone to talk to and I'm not alone in this and I can open up to, to others that helps you get through it. Big yeah, time. It makes all the difference. For it sure. does. Yeah, it does. Um, we're really seeing a shift in society. I think. I agree. That's such a good shift. I'm yeah, very you know, happy gone happening. are the days where women are meek and, and yes, keep to themselves and, very conservative and we are standing up for ourselves in every aspect of our lives, whether it's in business or in our marriages or with our health, we are getting more courage. Yeah. And I think we need to keep running with that, keep our integrity and keep our dignity um, and not get arrogant, Yes. but speak, speak up, 100%. just speak up. That's yeah. it. You a hundred percent. Amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you. (laughs) This has been another episode of life gives you lemons. Thanks so much for joining me for another week. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Please head over to at modern lilies on Instagram and follow my journey there. I'd love to hear from you and what you want to hear more of. Also, if this resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you could please download and share with your friends and family. Head over to iTunes and leave a review. And I'll see you back here next week for another awesome episode.